I'm Jesse. Today we're going to look at the final portion of what could be the most controversial chapter and the, 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 the most controversial portion of the most controversial chapter and the most controversial book in the Bible, but it's still the Word of God. This is chapter 2, verse 15. He has just laid out the expectation that women are to uh, remain quiet in church, to not teach over men or have authority over men, and he makes his appeal based on uh, not only his apostolic authority, by which he has the ability to forbid things, but uh, on the, the biblical example going all the way back to creation and the fall, the pronouncement of the curses itself. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing. Okay, let's talk about this much. She will be saved through childbearing could refer to a couple of things. It does not mean that Paul has just pronounced some new salvation. The author of the book of Romans did not just, in a few words, offer some alternate path to salvation. He's describing a woman in this context of Corinth, who instead of serving as a temple prostitute, is now married to the glory of God and having children. Like This is a woman who, especially if we continue on through the theme that was introduced by Adam and Eve, this is a woman who and is saved by, by Jesus Christ. This childbearing that is referred to harkens back, building on to the, the Genesis, the Eden motif, how in the pronouncement of the curses that God spoke over creation itself, speaking to men, to women, to the serpent, that's the devil. We see that in Revelation 11. It's not just a talking snake. Come on. Uh, he, also, he also speaks about this fruit of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And that, if that's what Paul's referring to, is Jesus. We call it the proto-euangelion in Genesis 3, 15 and 16. This, this, the gospel before the gospel, like the pre-gospel. It's this, as he's pronouncing the curses over creation itself, and he's, he's, pronouncing the, he's speaking to Adam, he's speaking to Eve, he's speaking directly to the devil himself. He also says, but I'll put enmity between you and the woman and her offspring. Like the, the offspring of woman, who's that? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That Jesus is referred to as the offspring of woman harkens to the virgin birth. And that Jesus would crush the head of the serpent means that he's the fulfillment of what was foreshadowed in Genesis 3. So if, if the motif of Eden that began in verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed, if that goes right into the very next verse, but she will be saved through childbearing, that seems reasonable to me as well, that he's referring to this prophecy in the Proto-Evangelion about the offspring of woman who would crush the head of the serpent. That's how we're saved through childbearing. You'll notice that the, the tenses seem to change halfway through the sentence. But she, that's singular, verse 15, I think, again, he's talking about Eve, but she will be saved through childbearing. And then he says, if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. So I think he's talking about Eve in verse 15. He's said, Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed, but she will be saved through childbearing. I think this is about the Messiah to come. If they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. 
So the she, I think, is Eve. The they is women today in the church, continuing in faith and love and holiness with good sense. So he didn't just preach a whole alternate gospel. Okay, Paul did not just say, oh, by the way, if you have a kid, you get to go to heaven. No, <laughs> read the actual text. He's speaking about Adam and Eve in Eden, and then he says, but she will be saved through childbearing. That's what God prophesied in the Proto-Evangelion, Genesis 3, 15 and 16. And it's true because it was the offspring of woman, born of a virgin, with no reproductive agent contributed by man whatsoever at all. This was not some grotesque reiteration of pagan mythology. It's not Zeus, it's holiness, it's God, it's immaculate, it's the Holy Spirit upon Mary, and now she's pregnant. And this child is Jesus, and he's the one who crushes the head of the serpent. Hence, Eve was saved through childbearing. Thank you, Mary, for your obedience to God's incredible calling. Now, the they, I think, zooms back to today. I think that halfway through the sentence, he shifts from speaking about Adam and Eve to us today, particularly women today. We continue in faith, love, holiness, with good sense. There wasn't a whole lot of good sense going on in Corinth. We know this based on the book of 1 Corinthians. Similar issues were happening in the, in the church of Ephesus. We know, that, uh, we, we know that in that era, in that day, in that age, you know, people were, were surrounded by pagan practices, including rampant prostitution. That was always kind of a it was always kind of like a, a bait that the devil would use to get people to go into to pagan faiths. It's even true in the origins of the Mormon church and the origins of Islam as well. There's a lot of, a lot of sex is used to kind of make people deviate away. Like the, 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 the jihadist is greeted in paradise by 72 virgins. You know, uh, the original teachings according to Brigham Young and, and are the original teachings according to Mormonism. You get this like planet to be a god on and have all the wives that you want. I mean, that's why polygamy originally was necessary according to the prophet Brigham Young within Mormonism in order to be saved. Like pagan faiths always use lust to lure people away. And that was really common in the original context where Timothy was doing ministry, in the original context where Paul was doing ministry. But these women of God and the church, they've repented from that. They move forward in good sense, in faith in Christ, in love, and holiness. They're not considered beautiful because of their hairstyles or their gold jewelry, their pearls. They're, they're not, they're, they're considered holy because they love God and they do good works. You know, their faith is accompanied by action. That's James chapter 2. This is quite beautiful, especially if you understand those final words of this controversial chapter are describing really godly women. I, this is describing the godly women of the Redemption Church. This describes my bride. Continue in faith, love, and holiness, good sense. That's how it all lands. He's given instructions for men to, without anger or arguing, lift up holy hands and pray. He's going to, in the very next chapter, lay out the instructions for pastors and deacons, and even deacons' wives. But the instructions that he gives to women continue in love, in faith, in holiness, with good sense. That's his instructions to women. What he forbids is teaching men leading men in the context of the church. What he instructs is learning in quiet submission, continuing in faith, love, holiness, with good works. 
See, this passage ought not get such a bad rap because it's actually quite beautiful. In the context of my marriage, which I believe, by the way, is inextricably linked to the context of church polity, my wife submits to my leadership. And it's not because, not because I say so. <laughs> that wouldn't get me very far. It's because she believes the Bible. My wife believes that this is the Bible. She doesn't always like First Timothy chapter 2, but she'll be the first to tell you. I can't get her to come on camera. She refuses to. But if you see her in person, come to the Redemption Church and ask her, like, do you submit to, do you submit to that jerk's leadership? She'll be like, yep. Yeah. You ask her why? You're like, because I believe the Bible. She's really submitting to the Lord. She's really submitting to God. And as she does, man, she does so in faith and love. She seeks holiness with good sense. I came home one day from work and she was chilling out in the hot tub with the kids. And I came home from work and she, I, I rolled the window down to say hi. And she shouted out over the, the bubbles in the hot tub, man, those feminists are missing out. <laughs> She's like, complementarianism is where it's at. <laughs> because she knows it's my job to provide for her, to look after her and care for her. You know, she follows my lead, but she also knows what that means. That means that uh, I'm the one who catches the arrows. That means that if it all goes off the rails, it's my fault. That means that I bear the mantle of responsibility for leading my family. Men, if you want to see a wife who lives a life of holiness, love, and faith with good sense, then lead your family well. Because if you abdicate that leadership, she'll take over. She absolutely will. She's fully capable of doing it. She and every one of her maternal ancestors going all the way back to Eve herself has been riddled with that tension, looking at you and me. When we take our hands off the wheel, they want to reach over and it's like, ah, oh, you idiots, and just and steer for us. They're perfectly capable of driving the car. It's just that you and I were the ones put in the driver's seat. So if you want to see a happy wife lead well, don't listen to this yes, dear nonsense. That's a great way to be nagged into oblivion and actually to abdicate leadership. No, instead, lead your family well. Lead a godly life. Lift up holy hands. Pray for your brides. Pray for your family. Pray for your church. Lead well. And then watch what happens. I've never seen, I've taken this survey over thousands of, thousands of people over 15 years of pastoral ministry. And even in super crazy hyper-liberal context, like right here in Seattle, and I have yet to see any woman raise her hand when I'll ask the question, would you mind following a man's lead if he's trying to be like Jesus? All right, every woman that I've ever asked this question of, and there have been thousands, I'm not exaggerating, you add them all up over the years, thousands now. I'm, I'm in a scientifically authoritative range here. It wasn't a scientific study, but it was just a hand-raised survey. Would you follow a man's lead if he's striving to live like Jesus? And hands go up all over the room. Yeah, I'll follow, I'll follow his lead if he's trying to live like Jesus. But do you see, that's the crux of it, men. This is where now it falls in our lap. Okay, this is a difficult passage for women to accept and abide by. But we make it easier if we're leading well, if we're living like Jesus. When a married couple comes in for counseling, I usually zoom in on the husband. Okay, where's the sin in your life? If there's spiritual unhealth in my house, it's, it's usually me. I could tell something wasn't quite right. We didn't have our usual joy when I walked in the house the other day and I looked back through it. I was like, you know what? 
in my own head, I was struggling, I was feeling depressed about stuff and I was all angsty and that, that kind of affected my wife and it affected my kids and like everybody was on edge around me and everybody's like, oh, daddy's unhappy, I don't know how to act around him and I realized like, you know what, my stuff, my heart, what happened in my heart, it affected everybody. It was like my heart was the thermostat from my house and I turned the heat uncomfortably high and so I had to get on my knees, I had to fast and pray and repent and, and I had to confess, I had to get my heart right and then guess what happened? Man, <laughs> it was a party at my house. Men, you'd be amazed, not only in the context of your family, but also in the context of the church. If the men rise up, if we lift up holy hands, if we pray, we lead like Jesus, this passage suddenly doesn't become so offensive. This passage suddenly becomes quite beautiful. This is the word of God, and it's never failed. Try it. 